0: Valencia lived up to the hype. The women's 5,000-meter world record is gone. The men's 10,000-meter world record is gone. A 400-meter meter, hurdling legend has died. The University of Men's Track and Field team has been saved, sort of. We'll get you ready for the BYU-NAU clash at NCAA XC this weekend. Safan Hassan is super fit, but not running world half. But we'll get ready for you ready for that meet. All of that and much more on this week's edition of the Let's Run.com Track Talk Podcast. This is Let's Run.com co-founder Robert Johnson. As always, I'm joined by my twin brother and fellow co-founder Weldon Johnson as well as a staff writer, Jonathan Galt. If you want to join us, unlike Facebook, unlike Twitter, you can call us. Pick up the phone, 844 four Let's run 844-538-7786, or email the show at pod at letsrun.com. That's P-O-D at letsrun.com going to be a great show guys where should we begin
1: i think we should start with valencia we did have a brief sort of post-race discussion for let's run.com supporters club members but we haven't addressed it on the regular podcast so i don't know to me it's interesting because watching it obviously two fantastic runs from let gide and joshua chapter guy and the gide run i watched it you know, she said her goal was to break the world record of Tirunesh DeBaba, and she did it uh, fairly comfortably, too. And after she did that, I kind of was just like, okay, I just expect Chapter Guy to break this record. You know, it stood for 15 years. I thought, you know, that record for so long, 2617 Candace Bekele, it just looked unbreakable to me. And then by the time Chapter Guy is actually standing on the line, I kind of viewed it as a formality. So it was cool to see that it happened, but. I guess I always expect these records to be broken by like these amazing performances no one saw coming. And it just signed, sort of felt like a fate complete to me when trip guy did it. Exciting, but maybe not as dramatic as you would have wanted.
0: Is this insane? Can we, re- can we redo the podcast opening? Jonathan Dalt is complaining about he wasn't shocked when he broke the world record. This was insane. We, we did an amazing post-race podcast for the VIP subscribers. It was a great show. John, you were excited then. If you want to become a VIP Supporting Club member, go to letsrun.com slash subscribe, support independent journalism. We would appreciate it. But, th- th- oh my God, John, I- I'm excited. I- you- this is the problem with your generation. You don't appreciate what amer- an amazing time of abundance you're living in. For the first time in 15, 16 years, the first time in your It's the first time since you've been alive as a track and field fan. There's a men's ten thousand meter world record for the first time in many Americans' life. They could watch it live. This goes down, and you're saying, "Well, well, I kind of expected it."
1: Well, no. All right. I definitely was excited watching it. I mean, it's not like I was bored, but I just look back. Like, I think it's more about what I sort of what I expected, how I expected the record to be broken. When you see a record that's broken that long you don't really go into, I never thought like I would go into a race expecting to see it broken. And, yeah, you know, that's what happened. And that's pretty amazing. That's kind of speaks to chapter guy and the whole race and how incredible it was, I think.
0: I don't think most people are signing up and, and logging into this podcast today to think, well, what did Jonathan Dugald How did he think in his head 15, 20 years ago it would be broken well, in his head?
1: You, you asked us to open it up, and I thought we were going to talk about the race, it. Heading into
0: Monaco, we would have been shocked that he broke the 10000 Absolutely. He got the 5000 whatever. I agree that once G'day got the record, you kind of thought, well, the conditions are, are good enough today to get a record. People kind of assume since he was... I mean, if you look at the Let's Run polls, I think about 30% of people thought Gade would get the record, and it was more than 60% thought that Chepty Guy would get it before the race. Once Gade got it, I think most people assumed Chepty Guy would get it, but I wasn't so sure because, again, let's talk about the weather. The weather's going to impact you more in a 10,000 than it is in a 5,000. Once the race got going... I was kind of thinking, okay, yeah, he's going to get it. But I didn't think he looked that good midway through the race. I thought the amazing thing to me that this struck out about this race was I thought he looked better once the rabbit got away. He got in his own rhythm and was just banging out those 63s.
1: He did. I he mean, negative th- split at 1307,
0: 1303. The, the, the splits are amazing. I mean, look at this. Lap by lap, David Monty has published them in Race Results Weekly, 63, 62, 9, 63, 1. I mean, every single lap, it, it's, it's unbelievable. It's between like a 62- I think the fastest I see is like 62.8, and the slowest is like 63.2, except for the last lap, which was 60 flat point zero six. I mean, this guy is the most I know he's got pace. Oh, there's a 62.45 between 3200 and 3600. But this is unbelievable how how consistent he is. I know he's got the wave light, but
2: still, it's insane. Well, you guys going to let me talk? I think being the fastest, am I the fastest 10,000 meter runner on the show? Probably by almost a couple minutes, folks. If you don't know who I am, 2806 10,000 meter runner. I'm going to start being one of those guys who (laughs) drops their times and posts on Facebook about back in the day racing in a race. Anyway, I think in the post-race subscriber-only show, I said, hey, does the fact both these guys and gals broke the record, diminished them. And you guys were adamantly, no, 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 it doesn't. And now John seems to have changed course and said, "Like, oh, wow, both records are gone. Not that impressive.
1: That's not what I'm trying to say. But here is the thing, okay? I've had a week to think about these races. And to me, there are three factors that went into it. And what's upsetting to me is I don't know how much credit to assign to each factor. We have the athletes themselves. We have the pacing lights. And we have the Dragonfly shoes. And I've been talking to people in the industry about these shoes And I hate to get back to what we were doing in, you know, last year and in the winter about the Vaporflies, but they think these shoes are basically just going to rewrite the record books. They already they already have the women's 5K, men's 10K, men's 5K records have all been broken. And someone told me he thought they were worth 10 seconds in a 5K for the men. So I guess I'm curious, where do you guys... Obviously, Guy and G'day are huge talents. We've seen their accomplishments before they were running in the Dragonfly. But do you think these records get broken without the shoes? How much credit do you give to each of these factors?
0: John, you need to disclose if you're being paid by Nike or not as as, as, as a as a shill for this company. This company that has done a lot for the sport has also done a lot to her. Keep
1: your head in the sand, Robert. Fine. Live in your blissful ignorance. I, this, to
0: be honest... First of all, the wave light doesn't bother me at all. Anyone who complains about the wave light, to me, should be is a fool. I'd Does it doesn't have...
1: bother me, but no. you, do you argue? Obviously, it helped him. I mean, look at the consistency of his splits.
0: It didn't obviously help me. This guy's a machine anyways. so I, I don't know that it obviously helped him of anything. This guy may be the best, big, biggest metronome in the history of the world.
1: So he just happens to have paced the most perfectly paced 10,000 in the only 10,000 world record attempts with the pacing lights. You think that's a coincidence?
0: It's unlikely that it's a, a total coincidence, but whatever. I don't have a problem with wave like t- technology because I've always thought we should just have the the human running against the clock with a wave light. We shouldn't have rabbits. Why do ma- you know we have male rabbits sometimes for females and sometimes it's only women? I
1: agree. It's fine. I, it's not the an pacing issue. does not bother
0: me. To me, a world record attempt actually should just be one human on the track with a wrap with a with a with a thing. It's kind of boring to watch, but you see how fast they could go. So we all have. Just you against the clock. It's not who has, the, who can afford the most pacers, etc., etc. The shoes, to be honest, I wasn't paying that much attention to it. You'd, you know, like, how can a spike make that bit of a difference? I kind of feel like I may be stuck like I was with the vapor flies. Back when Kipchoge ran two hours and 25 minutes in the first up two, everyone assumed the shoes were just, a, Nike was making this up. The shoes weren't a big deal. And people thought that it was the, it was the, him drafting off the car that was the big deal that made the two minute difference from the regular world record. Um And then we found out, no, the shoes were real. So it's possible that the shoes are real, um, you know, a significant factor. I don't have any way of knowing that. For some reason, it's not nearly bothering me as much as it did on the road in the marathon. Because, I, you know, at least with these, we kind of know that they're announcing that they have these shoes that are coming out. We can try to investigate them. It's much harder to investigate them, you know, track spikes because you can't put someone on a treadmill to test it. But at least we know these shoes
1: exist. Well, unlike now we in, do. When Mo Ahmed ran in them, they, they had never announced them.
0: Unlike in 2016, Galen Rupp, Shailene Flanagan, you're listening to me, Amy Craig, Elliot Kipchoge, your company made new shoes and then camouflaged them to look like your old spikes. And you wore these in the, in, in the race and got a huge, significant advantage over your competitors. Now, I admit that if I was a Nike athlete, I would have done the same thing, but... They were guilty. I've written a column on this. We'll link to it in the show notes. They were guilty of mechanical doping in 2016. And that's a reality. Nothing. They were never, for some reason, never sanctioned for this, for this offense. But it was against the rules. Shoe rules what they did in 2016.
1: Well, there we go, guys. That was your throwback rant of the day. Old time listeners will be familiar. That was a familiar refrain from Robert during 2019 podcast season. Weldon, what is your take on all this?
2: Well, guys, we need a little perspective. For some of our, I don't know, new visitors or just everyone, a 15-year-old world record was beaten by, what, over six seconds? And a 12-year-old world record was beaten by over four seconds. And we just think these things just randomly happen because, oh, the weather was right? Or the pacing? Like, what changed? The pacing changed and the shoe changed. Because in the last 15 or 12 years, right, there had to have been some perfect day when somebody could have gotten the world record or just no one thought they could even challenge it. The mindset has just suddenly shifted. So I think I think these things have to make a difference. Now, kind of like with the marathon attempt or the first sub-two attempt, we had this car going in front. Well, we have two things that are different. We have the wave light and the shoes. And I think we'll probably find out. The other thing, also a little perspective, G'day – breaks the world record this is a woman who has not had not won a five thousand meter race in four years i mean it's just kind of crazy so f- i think we're just sort of uh, f- not that there's an asterisk by these records but we're going to be debating them there's a hugely popular thread on the f- on the forum this week uh, mckett said any b- been a bad the steeplechaser quote our sport is in danger about chapter and world record and essentially he's simulates that the shoes are the issue for this and there's posters in there who are like what well, that taking both sides of the argument one's like did the shoes help Jep jet guy, f- je- guy fluctuate less than one second per kilometer in almost every single one of his splits for both the 5k and the 10k world record the guy he's like the guy's just a metronome but in reality maybe he's a metronome because you've got this light showing you what pace to run and then somebody else posted but kaylee would have run sub 26 with them in the lights So, uh, there's just been technology advances. And one of these is a a light that shows you the pace to go run. It's much easier to be paced like that. I just
0: think this is the wrong take. I mean, the the VIP subscriber, I mean, the non-VIP subscribers want to hear excitement about this record. Y'all are being Debbie Downers. Do I think Haley gabber and and Kipchoge could have run, I mean, Bikile could have run faster if they had this technology? Yes. But I'm still amazed by the performances. And to me, this shows if you do everything right. In the past, everything has not been fully professional. What did Salazar and the NLP show you? If you do everything and you worry about the details, you know, you can do great performances. Weldon Johnson, I'm going to credit Weldon for bringing back distance running in America to high level. If you go to Flagstaff and if you do the high-low training and and, and, and you sleep in a mountain in your car before the night, you know, before your big races, If you do all these things, you can run much better before. In the past, come on, let's guys, of course Bekele could have run faster, particularly in the 10,000. They had him running a 10,000-meter world-record attempt in the morning at Hayward Field in front of a few hundred fans. Give me a break. This wasn't some... he never had the perfectly set up race. He never was the golden boy for Nike where he had a rabbit for like eight or 9,000 meters like Galen Rupp did. Now, I think Teraku Haley did rabbit him for a while in one of these 10,000 world records. Maybe I'm wrong, but we, we could go back into this. But, yes, this was set up perfectly, and uh, it's not just the, the wave light. It was a world record attempt. They were going for it. Of course the women's world record could come down. It is weird that someone hasn't won a, a 5,000 race in four years is the world record holder to some extent. But if you look at all the other women's world records, half marathon, 10,000, you know, 1,500, all these stuff, well, maybe not 1,500, they all convert to under sub 14 minutes. So 1405 or 1406 is not that shocking to me.
1: I mean, my thing about G'day though, Robert, I was talking to this agent who thinks the shoes are a huge deal. He's like, look, you put in anyone who's beat her the last few years, maybe not anyone, but some of the women like, Safan Hassan, or Helen O'Beary, they can also beat this world, break this world record, he thought. He's basically like, look, Gaday might be the third best 5K runner in the world, and she broke the world record. What other point in history has the third best 5K runner in the world been able to break the world record? I, I think
0: pr- pretty often. I mean, who was the steeplechase guy that had the, the men's 5,000-meter world record for a little bit
1: there? Saif Saeed Shaheen? No, no. Oh, the, sorry, the, uh, Moses Kiptanui. Yeah. yeah,
0: I mean, was he really the best five thousand meter runner at the time?
1: Yeah, I mean, Geb smashed that record. That's okay, but that's not pretty often. That was twenty five years ago, Robert.
0: Well, if it was so easy for Hassan to do it, why didn't why didn't she do it?
1: I'm sure she could do it. I mean, she just ran twenty nine thirty six over the weekend in miserable conditions.
0: I, I, the women's five thousand meter record has been ripe for the taking for a long time. It's not my fault that they never that someone's agent has not been smart enough to set this up. And go for it.
2: Yeah, I want to give the NN running team huge credit for, like, targeting these records. Because pre- previously, they were letting maybe COVID shut down, let this happen. But the agents were only doing things through Diamond League races. And here, they just said, like, look, we're going to set this up on our own and go for it. The people in Valencia, I mean, the Ciudad de running, it's great. So, great job there. And this brings us, guys, we need an email of the week happens to be related on this. And people are... I mean, the insiders are talking about the shoes and the wavelength. All right, here's the email from Patrick Winter. Just had a few comments on Chepty world record. He's clearly a superior talent and super fit. I really appreciated John's recap and eight takeaways articles on the attempt. I think it's great for the sport. We have Josh and would love for him to take a crack at two miles with a half. However, I'm very disappointed in the wavelength pacing technology. John's graphic on the Chepkeye splits versus Bicali tell it all. I think the pacing technology, if Bicali was afforded the pacing technology, easily could have gone faster and saved enough energy afforded the wavelength. If I remember right, he ran a ton of the attempt alone. I'd like to hear your thoughts on the pacing technology. Well, Patrick, you have just heard them. And Ro- Rojo's upset because...
0: Well, it's weird because I was irate about the Sub 2 event and didn't even want to watch it, the first Sub 2 for, for 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 LA Kipchoge, and I'll admit it. But now that we have it, to me, this is what a world record attempt should be. It should be mechanicalized, just see how fast they can go. It should not be who can afford the best rabbits. And actually by the way though, what made this event so special was how good the rabbits were. You had a what is and I meant to write an article about this, maybe I still will. What a sign of sportsmanship in the women's thing. You had the women's Steeplechase world record holder, rabbiting. She's from Kenya, rabbiting a woman from another country to the, to the to the world record. And to see her so happy when she did it was amazing. You know, I, I, as someone, Weldon and I both we rabbited, helped rabbit people to women's world records. I was very excited when Catherine and got that marathon world record because my, I got I think I got a higher payday. I know Weldon did too, but no, I was happy for. Her. But it it, it it was amazing, you know. And then in the men's race. You had Camelli, he's run 2.051 rabbiting. Now this is my, I've already done one rant and we're only 10 minutes into the podcast. I'm going to do another one. Can someone explain to me? So I'm starting to get a little bit worried. I didn't think they looked that good about halfway through. And then Camelli just stops at 5,200 meters. I'm like, this guy's run 1,251. Can he go at least six or seven K? This guy's got to go 4,800 meters by himself. With just a light to follow. This is absurd. Little did I know that Camelli was still in the race and finishing why in the hell did he finish this race? This made no sense to me, and I'm still bothered by this. They could set up everything perfectly for this race, but they let this guy finish the race. John, can you can you can you text our buddy right now and see what's going on? Like, why did this happen? This makes no sense to me.
1: I should ask them because I was looking at this. Like, he ran. This was his splits, Robert. He ran twenty-seven twelve, which is only fourteen seconds off his PR. And he split 13.07, 14.05. I mean, that's just going to be so painful, that second half. And if you are thinking, if he's able to run a 14.05 second 5K, couldn't he have stuck in for a couple more laps? its is-
0: It didn't even It didn't even make any sense. Like, why? Did they need a finisher? Like, he'd already run 26.58 this year. So I was like, maybe he wants to get a time or a qualifier, but the qualifiers don't count. It just made... It- I, I would have structured his contract like the far you get 10,000 for going five K and then you get another 5,000 for going another two K. I mean, anyways.
1: Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. Oh, so a couple other things I do want, I know I've brought up the shoe topic and I don't want to make it all about the shoes. I think we need to, you know, acknowledge, and I think everyone acknowledges at this point, Joshua you guy, really, really special talent. I think generational talent is probably the correct word for him. Um, when you look at what he's done, you know, he was world junior champion, then obviously world cross country, world on the track. And, and look at he, here's on. the other thing. Let me interrupt you
0: quick. And day, come on, two time world junior XC champion. two time sure. world junior XC champion. How do you beat all the other juniors in the world when you're two to three younger than them? You? you don't unless you're insane talent. And a lot of times we see women struggling as, as they go from the teenage years to not. This woman was a junior superstar in all caps, and now she's run that the 15k that was equivalent to a I mean a 44 20 15k which may be the greatest single run by any woman in any, any event, period. And now she has the 5,000-meter world record holder. These people are supreme talents, but keep going.
1: And the, the other thing I was going to say about guy here are a couple of reasons you could say why, okay, it's not it can't it's not all the shoes. One, this was a tailored world record attempt, This and he's the best distance runner in the world. This is not something that Mo, Mo Farah was the best distance and the runner in the world for most of the 2010s, and he never made a world record attempt like this. And part of that is because I don't think he would have gotten it. Mo Farah, you know, his great strength was his kick and he had this really good endurance, but it was really all about unlock using that endurance to unlock his kick. He's not a grinder who could just set a really hard pace from the front like Chapter guy did. So that's one thing. And the other thing is this was not an Olympic year. It was not a world championship year. This, these world record attempts were sort of the big thing that these athletes were going after and I think that's one of the reasons why you saw these special times is chapter guy had basically six, he was focused on that 5k world record for about five months. Gide has been focused on this 5k world record for a month or two. You know, it, Obviously, we have off years like 2018, 2014. We didn't see all these world records falling. But I think when you put the very best in the world and you say, hey, this is your target. Don't worry about peaking for the Olympics. Just peak for this race. That's got to help.
0: Okay. And I think we discussed this on the VIP show or something. But we're not going to have an off year until 2026, right? So John seemed depressed and think we can't have any world record attempts. Folks, this is the Let's Run Not Coaching segment by... The only person here that's coached at a high level for a long period of time, Robert Johnson. If you want to be coached by me, go to letsrun.com slash coaching, and I can take you to the top, which we'll read to my sponsor's plug in just a minute. But anyways, this is the dumbest take I've ever seen. Folks, agents, coaches, Whatever. You can have it all. You can get a world record and an Olympic gold next year. Just do what Joshua Cheptegei did this year. If this is Joshua Cheptegei, if this is the management team. I know you listen to this podcast. You do not have to forsake another world record next year. Do what he did here. He ran a 10,000 meter world record and then 7 weeks later he ran a 5,000 meter world record. If we go so next year the Olympics are the end of July, July 24th to August 1st. So Either seven weeks before that or seven weeks after, you can get the world record. So I would do it seven weeks before. You get in tip-top shape at the beginning of June. You run a world record at whatever Diamond League that is. When you're in world record shape, you will dominate the Olympics. You recover from that. You come back to the Olympics, and you win double triple. Go- you win double gold there. That's what you do. The, this idea that oh, I can't have it all. Why? If you get yourself in world record shape, you will beat everybody else in the race. You don't peak perfectly
2: for one race peak this coming cover- from the guy who says that the weather is everything the weather is everything now he wants a guy to go for a world record in june when it's really hot i'm worried about the
0: weather that would be one issue for the five and the ten you'd have to do it obviously in a northern european country or you could, man, this is a global economy go, go go to south america or something i don't know find the spot but i'm saying the fitness is is particularly you know whatever
1: all right well Let's move on to another person who, you know, is a potential world record breaker. She is the world record holder in the mile. Safan Hassan ran this really fast 10K in Hangulow over the weekend. And this kind of gets into my weather take. It was just terrible weather. I thought it was terrible weather. It was 48 degrees. It was pouring rain. And I'm texting Robert. I'm like, this is amazing. She just ran 29.36, number four time all time. You know, she had to do a lot of it alone. She looked, she was you know shivering on the start line she looked totally frozen and miserable and yet she runs this incredible time she was on close she was close to world record pace at halfway and then just fell off a little bit and i'm like wow robert how much i bet she could break the world record or come close if it was good weather he's like what do you mean it was good weather i just want to know 48 degrees and pouring rain or 72 degrees sundown and kind of warm which was the better world record what was the better temperature for running valencia or hangelo robert
0: what was the better temperature? Clearly. 48. Sorry, better,
1: better conditions. We 48, all right.
0: 48 degrees, which if I'm running a world record with no rain, which I'd rather be running in for 10,000, 48 or 72, I'd much rather be running 48 because it wouldn't take me more than about five minutes to be warm. And that 48 degrees would be cooling my body a little bit. The rain, God, running in low 40s in rain is nothing worse. I think I probably, I don't know. That's what I was, the reason why I texted you this is I don't think that, I think that. I'm not convinced that she didn't get this record just because of the rain and, 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 and the weather.
1: Well, d- you didn't watch the earlier races, though, Robert, where Yomif Kajelcha was out there running 13-14 after trying to go out on world record pace. You might argue, oh, he shouldn't be trying to break the world record, but he's a 12-40-something. He's 12-46 guy. And Faith Kipigon, she couldn't get the 1,000-meter world record. She only ran 2.32. She looked frigid and frozen in that as well. I mean... To me, it's pretty obvious. 72 and the sun's down. I'd much rather take that. It's not even a question. That's better for running. You're not as cold on the start line than 48. I'll
0: admit I didn't watch this event. It wasn't as promoted as well as the other event. It was on the weekend. You know, again, uh, we we didn't. I I had to leave last week's podcast a little bit early. But if I was the people in Valencia, I would have postponed it. I wanted to postpone three or four days for better weather. And they told you it was not possible. John did at least ask them if they would postpone it for Rojo. Thank you, John. And this one in Hangolo, no way in hell would I have held it in these conditions. I would have waited a day or two or whatever. I mean, it seems insane to me. But so you think that the the weather cost the guys 5K, 30 seconds each, but somehow she was able to go out in 1437? Something's not. I'm not
1: saying it cost them 30 seconds. I think they went out too fast because not taking the weather into account. They were just like, well, we're just going to try to do it. And then second half, they died pretty badly. And it was the time didn't really matter at that point. But I don't know. I do have another point about Hassan I want to make, though, here. Because twenty nine thirty six we can all agree, fantastic performance, right? Number four all-time, big personal best for Hassan. She runs that, and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. You know, she's supposed to be running the World Half Marathon Championships a week later. And so I'm getting all excited. And then yesterday, Tuesday... Albodo Streddy breaks the news, Safan Hassan has withdrawn from the World Half Marathon Championships, and this is her quote to him. It has been a tough year. The uncertainty of competitions going ahead was always part of my training regime. To focus and push yourself every day in training is difficult, especially when you don't know if it will be possible to deliver performances in a competition environment. The season was short, but the lead up to it was long. Therefore, I decided to give myself some rest and focus for next year. Does this strike anyone else as very weird that she runs a performance that clearly shows she's in amazing shape? She's entered in the World Half Marathon Championships and then four days before the race, she just withdraws because she's saying, oh, the season's, you know, it's gone on for a long time, even though she just raced on Saturday. This is so strange to me.
0: Extremely strange. First of all, John, though, I mean, I, I love Alberto Stretti, but this was a press release she sent out. We got, I, I got it on an email, too.
1: So. Well, I, I didn't get this email, so that's where I found out about this. Clearly, you outrank me in this world, Robert.
0: What, what time was this tweet sent, John? I, I had this up at uh, 1039 on the Let's Run message board. Anyways, very strange to me. Very, very strange. You, 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 you show yourself to be almost in world record shape in the 10,000. You've got to wait five, six days or a week to run the world half. And you don't do it. This seems bizarre to me. And I don't know. I mean, I, someone texted me or somebody was speculating. I don't even want to go with their respect
2: Oh, here we go. Conspiracy theories. I mean, come on. Somebody even said it here. Think she's been popped before we started. Like, that's just the stupidest thing ever. I, I think it's very weird. Like, the season's too long, so I'm not going to compete another four more days, even though I'm in possibly world record shape. It's It's nuts to me. I just don't see why you wouldn't do it. But she's a professional athlete. She, she gets to choose what she wants to do. I just feel like at this stage, you, you've you clearly extended your season. You had this 10K world record attempt. She runs 29.36 after going out in, what, 14.37? It's just nuts in driving rain. We didn't give any big perspective. Some people may not even have known what she did. You guys kind of pieced it together. But for a more casual visitor, like that's absolutely nuts. I mean, here's her season. She opened up the season late in August, middle of August in the five K in Monaco. It was thought that she was a bit out of shape because of the rioting and civil unrest in Ethiopia. She drops out. She runs about like to the last mile, hanging with the leaders and drops out. Then she runs the one hour world record, September fourth. Then she wins the Golden Spike five K, September eighth. And then she extends a full another month to run this ten K, and then she only has to go five more days or another week to run the world half. It's just so perfectly set up. She's obviously in great shape. So I, I don't know. Maybe she's just tired mentally and just like, I don't want to do it. And w- as an elite athlete, once that switch flips in your mind, you can't do it. I don't know. Maybe if Alberto Salazar was still coaching her, he could vote her, you know, convince her to run this thing. I mean, she's got a new coach. You guys don't think this factors in? Totally. She's got like a 33 year
0: old coach, right? Or hey, how old is he? He's pretty young. Alberto tells her to do something to do something. He's he's much more likely to do it, I think, than, than if Tim Robey's coaching her.
2: Yeah, I mean, no offense, like Robert, like Tim Robey, a guy who like started out holding the watch for Alberto Salazar, as I pointed out. He's now, I mean, it's amazing. This is a gr- great story. I sort of like. Uh, I wasn't trying to diminish him the other day, but like this just shows people following their dreams. He, this guy was like posting on Let's Run, defending Alberto. Now Alberto gets banned from the sport for four years. And this guy now is coaching two of the greatest Ethiopian runners. I guess you could, he could argue he's coaching the best Ethiopian man and woman right now. And Yomif Kajelcha and Sifan, his son.
1: Well, she's, she runs for the Netherlands, remember. But speaking of that, also, I just wanted to mention her PRs as well. Like, after that run, her, she does she have the best range in history? Here are her PRs. 156, 800, 351, 1500. 412 mile world record, 818, 3K, 1422, 5K, 2936, 10K, 6515 half marathon. She has the European record in every distance from the 1500 through the half marathon and is a an 156, 800 runner. Have we ever seen this kind of range for a woman before?
0: I mean, she's got good range, but don't forget, John, on the men's side, Ellie, you said woman, but Ellie Kipchoge is running a 350 mile and a 159 marathon. So when you're good at one distance, it does go a long way, but her range is insane but to me i really want to see her in the half because she's got a big decision to make and i put this up on the message board yesterday what is she going to run next year you know i think her favorite event she said is the 1500 so you would like to run if you're going to do a double of some sort you'd like to run the 1500 first and then some other event either the five or the 10 but the problem is the 1500 is in the middle of the week so i'd run run in half to see how my my endurance really stacks up against the world's best I mean, I guess 2937 shows you are pretty good, but th- we're going to have an, an amazing Olympics next year. I mean, it, it is absolutely going to be unreal, particularly on the women's side in some of these events, because I'm just trying to figure out, like, what event? E- e- earlier, I, w- I was thinking, like, if you're Hassan's management team, if you're Hassan, what event do you do, John? 5K, 10K,
1: because the 1500... 1500- 10K double is really tough schedule-wise. The 5K 1500 double is tough schedule-wise. I want to have two gold medal opportunities, and she's the defending champion in the 10,000. I think she would have won the 5,000 if she she had run it last time in Doha. 5K, 10K, you get two crap bites of the apple. You can get double gold. Cement yourself as an Olympic legend.
0: No, 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 no. John's got this all wrong. This is, again... If you become a VIP subscriber, you can follow me on the message board, and you can see when I put my, my my nuggets of wisdom up there right away. You don't have to wait until some podcast. We wrote an article about which Olympic doubles are, are possible. They need to tweak the schedule to make more doable. But we, we when we wrote this article, we said the fifteen ten is very hard. It's not that hard. This is what she should do. She do talking about Olympic legend. You run the fifteen ten. That's what you do. The fifteen hundred. You would want to get the fifteen hundred out of the way with nothing interfering with it. That's her favorite event. She wants to run that. She does that. The 10K final is the day after the 50-hundred final. So, if she's emotionally excited, she's the meter champion. Maybe she only wins silver there. She comes back the next night and wins 10,000. There's no overlap. There's no problem. That's what she should do in my opinion. The 510. the problem with that is she, she, she's got to run the 5K first. I guess it's not a problem, but I don't know. But it, this is going to be amazing. Let's talk about Hassan. What event does she have the best odds just where is she? Is she a favorite in any of these events? In the 1500, she's got to beat Faith Kipiega, the defending champion, who's quite, quite good. In the 5K, she's going to have to beat the world record holder in Gade. And in the 10K, she's probably going to have to beat Gade again. And imagine if Amaz and Ayana gets back in shape. Like, which of these events? This is what's so good about this. Very likely that one of these women, Hassan, Gade, and um, Kipiega, one of them, Oh, and I forgot about O'Berry in the 5,000. I mean, one of those four women is definitely not going to win a gold. To me, the fair the fair outcome would be Kip wins the 1,500. Hassan wins the 5,000. Gade wins the 10,000. But then I guess O'Berry never has an Olympic gold.
1: Yeah. Uh, you asked which event she would she be the biggest favorite in, Robert. I think it's the 1,500. Because it's interesting. Last year, she was... By the time of Worlds, I think she would have won the 5,000. But remember, she ran that 5K in Monaco. And I think she only got third in that race. I mean, she was beaten by... Oh, sorry. That wasn't... Monaco was where she broke the world record. London in July. She ran 14.22. She got third in that race. She was beaten by Helen O'Beary. And she was also beaten by Agnes Tirop. So that, to me, was kind of weird. Whereas the World Championships, she just stomped everyone. She won by you know, almost three seconds in the 1500. So that's kind of the event where I see her being the biggest favorite, but also think Kipigon, she was kind of banged up last year and she was coming off of her her pregnancy. I think Kipigon could be better next year. So I think it will be really fascinating, but I also think 10K, that is that is Gide's best event. And I think that she's going to be better than she was last year. So I think Gide will be kind of close in the 10K. So I'm going to say 1500 is her best best bet for gold. That will be what, That's what I would say if she could only pick one.
0: Yeah, the genius John says she should run the 1500 at the Olympics. 1510 is the way to go, Hassan's management team. If you're listening, again, you can, you don't have to give me a – you know, small percentage if she does pull it off.
1: I just don't like the idea of running Olympic finals on back-to-back days. Running the fifteen hundred final and then coming back twenty-two hours later to run the ten k final against Gaday. I, I mean, yes, if she does it, she'd be a legend. But a, she already did this double at Worlds and basically became a legend last year. B, I just think the five k ten k double, you get more rest. It's it's easier on the body. It's just getting up that- lost
2: in the details. Can she do it? The triple. You guys are losing people, just getting stuck in the weeds. Is there any way for a triple? Screw this. Can she do a triple?
1: I mean, it'd be really, really tough. Because here's the other issue. The issue with the 5K15 is already she would have to race twice on the same day. But the triple would involve a pre... So the 5K prelim on day one. five Then 1500 day, round one on day four. 50, 5K final on the evening of day four. So that's 12 hours later. 1,500 semi on day six, 1,500 final on day eight, 10K final on day nine. I mean... Yes, she
0: could do it. She'd only have to run two races in one day. She might as well sign up for all three.
1: <laughs>
2: this is crazy because I think for some reason... I don't know why I think of it because she's done the half marathon. I think of like the 10 as being her best event, which is just actually wrong. This woman used to be an 800-slash-1500 meter runner essentially before she became to Alberto. So I think you're right, John. I think... I, I just think... In the 1500, a lot can go wrong, so I feel like there's more variability. But it's crazy for me to think a woman who was targeting the 10K world record that the 1500 is her best event. I mean, just the range in what she's doing is unprecedented. So, Alberto Salazar, we know you have nothing else to, to do right now. Please come on our podcast and discuss it. We know you're listening. Mm-hmm. open invitation is there. Make right, Alberto. Make right. when you're If you're... Assuming your band is upheld, what are you going to do for four years? You are not banned from talking about the sport. It's your opportunity. We'll have you on the podcast, uh, right? Like, I'm sure he would get criticized for doing commentary of track meets. Alberto, maybe we should bring Alberto on as like a give him equity and let's run. You know, okay. We'll go full fledged doping. Please stop the nonsense. If, let's say, Alberto
0: is allowed to coach again, let's say his band gets overturned. It's coming up. This
1: no, no. no. Did you hear about this, Robert? Washington Post. It was supposed to... This hearing, Reuters reported, it was supposed to be heard his CAS appeal in November. It's now been pushed back to March.
0: If I'm Alberto, I'm not happy about that.
1: I'm not either. I mean, I need to... So you want your hearing... He's already served a year of his ban. And... If he if comes CAS back, it, do
0: you think Alberto... And he starts coaching her again. Do you think he purposely puts her in whatever events that Shelby Houlihan is in to make sure that Shelby does not get the medals and to stick it to Terry Schumacher. The rivalry goes that deep.
1: It's interesting. I I was... When we were having this conversation, and I it, couldn't help thinking to myself how excited I am to see Houlihan face these women in the 5K and 10K or 15... 5K, 15. I think it's going to be so exciting.
0: Can I put an asterisk next to it to any medal that Houlihan wins if Hassan's not in that event? Because we know she wouldn't be beating her in those events. That's the thing. I mean... If, if you're Hulahan, I, she's a competitor. She probably thinks she can beat her. But come on, let's be realistic. If Hassan and going are in the 1500, there's only one medal for the taking. If, if, if you know, the 5K now, we didn't talk about this in the world records. I wanted to talk about this. Who's more vulnerable at the Worlds in the Olympics? Is it Gade or Cheptegei?
1: guy? Oh, come on, Robert. This isn't even a question. This is, Let us send back Gade... Hadn't run a 5K. She hadn't won a 5K for four years. And now she's... I don't even know if she's the favorite most vulnerable. I mean, come on. guys the heavy favorite in both events. He's not as nearly as vulnerable as Gaday.
0: Okay, heavy favorite. Okay, I agree that Gaday is very vulnerable. She had not won a 5,004 years. And if you look at her splits, also published in Race Results Weekly, it's kind of scary. I mean, she was a metronome as well. But here's her final... You know, miles 66 98, 67 26, 6, and sixty seven oh one. She didn't pick it up at all the last lap. So, to me, she's very vulnerable to a sign in the kick. I mean, we've already seen her being out kicked in the 10,000 when it took. I mean, she could close well 402, but 359 is better than 402. So, uh, you know, I, I think that Shepard guy's not known for a super fast last lap, but you know, 60, he did pick it up to 60, and he, he's. Won a lot of big races in the past, World XC, World 10,000. So I I, I agree on that front.
2: So, Chepta guy, I think he's very vulnerable in the 5K. John acts like he's a walk in the 5K. This is a guy who last year in his three 5Ks was seventh place, fourth place, and first place. Now, granted, the first place was the Diamond League final, but I think in that one, like they let him, they didn't view the guy, they didn't even take him seriously. They viewed him as a 10K guy. He got up the lead and held on to the end. It's not like he outkicked people in a 5K. Has he ever outkicked a world class field in a 5,000 meters? Ever? Uh,
1: 2018 Commonwealth Games, he outkicked Mohamed, who's no slouch. He won that race in 1350. I, I repeat the question Has he ever outkicked in a world class field Mo uh, has in the 5,000 meters? Where did, Mo fin- Mo med- med, where did he finish at Worlds last year, Weldon? Third place. He's he's not a, he's run twelve forty seven. How is he not world class?
0: I I agree with Weldon though. I think he's vulnerable at, at five thousand.
1: I, I I do agree. I think I don't think like we haven't seen that tool and tool. But like Bekele, I view him much more like Bikelay than Farah. But Bikelay could still get it down to 52, 53. But like last year, I don't know. He outkicked Yomi Kajelcha, the mile indoor mile world record holder, in the ten k last year. I think his kick is. Going to be just fine. I'm not. I'm more worried about him losing in the 5K, especially like if Mukhtar Edris gets a whole year being healthy next year. But I think he, I think he has to be the favorite in the 5K. And but I do think he's more vulnerable in that certainly than the 10K, where I think he's a lock.
2: Okay, I should not mo. He's very good, but the Commonwealth Games, it's it's like not a world class. Field, that's what I'm talking about. There was one guy in that race. Mohamed's a very good championship racer, and the Olympics are a championship race. And Mohamed's very good, very fast. He's run 1240s. So, But uh, I guess I'm thinking more of a Diamond League-type event. But I'm just saying, he's definitely more vulnerable vulnerable in the 5K. The crazy thing is, Gide is probably even more vulnerable than him. So our two World 5K record holders are far from a lock, and that gets back to why where we started. But, guys, I don't think we can talk about just the 5K and the 10K all podcasts. We have a World's Half Marathon Championships this week, and we, we touched on that a little bit. So let's go there.
0: Well, I can't wait for the men's race. I mean, the men's race is going to be insane. You've got chapter Guy making his half marathon debut. He's in, in the form of his life. You've got 726 guy. What did he run? Jacob Capremo. I don't know if he's run a half. Is this his debut as well? I mean, that's insane. And then you've got... You know, we don't have the three-time defending champion, Jeffrey Kamwar. That's a little bit of a downer. But we've got the guy that is the Kamwar slayer. Uh, Kibawat Candy is his name or something like that. Guy's run 58 minutes twice this year. He beat Kamwar at the World... At, at the Kinnin Cross Country Trials this year. So... The, I mean... This is going to be absolutely amazing. Imagine if Kplimo for a minute here. What if he beats guy in this race? You know, Then we're going to be wondering what who's the favorite in the 10,000 next year. So this is going to be insane and this race is in poland before covid hit world athletics was flying me out there to speak at some some symposium i haven't checked my johnny do you think they would have called me if i'm supposed to be on a plane like any day now like to be going out there to see this race i haven't heard if world athletics officials if you're listening to the podcast and i am supposed to be getting on a plane just can you call me like i'll I'll answer
1: well i feel like they would have let you know. And also, I mean, Americans, are we, are we allowed to go to this meet, Robert? The USATF is, is not sending a team to world half. So I don't know if you're even a- allowed to go to Poland for that.
0: And then John, who do we have in the women's race here? Nova son.
1: So women's race, I, uh, it's incredible. You've got four women who basically are recent or current world record holders. Now that kind of, inclo- that includes the women's only world record, but from the top, Ababel Yashana, 64 uh, 6431 PB. She's the world record holder. She set that at RAK earlier this year. You've got Perez-Jep-Chiacir, who just set the women's only world record 65-34 in Prague. Her PB is 6506, uh, overall. She's the 2016 champion of this event. And then you've got Jocelyn Jep-Kosge of Kenya, the former world record holder, um, mixed race, 64-51 PB. And you've got Netsenek Gudetta, the former women's only world record holder, 65-45 PB, defending champion. So that's two incredible Kenyans, Jip Kozgai and Jip Chia and two great Ethiopians, Ishana and Gudetta. So I think it, the win, that's probably going to be your podium in some order, is some combination of those four women. Uh, should be a really exciting race between them. Uh, you know, world record holder against former world record holder yeah. i I do want to get back to this men's race for a second though so we you mentioned some of the entrants there Robert the Kenyans that you know they view this as their event okay it's the half marathon. Cam War is the three time defending champion. he's not there, but they want to keep the title in Kenyan hands and this was a quote from the the nation daily nation uh newspaper from Kenyad's Bernard Nagano, ahead of World Half. He said, the guy and his colleagues are more of track athletes than road racers. We shall te- teach him a few tips in road racing. I just viewed that. I, I love it. I love trash talking in sports. And he's basically, you know, I think it's ridiculous because chapter guy has the world records on the road at 15k he used to have it at 10k he holds it at 5k it's not like he's never run on the road and obviously if you can run 26:11 on the track you're in really good shape but i love that they're not giving it to him easy i hope that we see a few guys go out there with them and it got me excited and fired up for the race
2: ignorance truly is bliss i guess he called chapter guy a track racer yet he had three road world records he should have just said this guy's never run a half marathon i hope it he can't do it because Chepty guy's shown he can do it on the roads. He's shown he can do it on the track. And the only question is, can he do it at the half marathon? But in today's age, if, if you're a 15K world record holder on the roads, I don't think attacking on four miles is going to be much of a problem for him. Th- this should be a great race because Kiba Wat is very good. The crazy thing is, like, in this field, I mean, you got the debuts of uh, – the guy and Kaplimo. But there's only three guys who have only broke broken 60 minutes. Right. I mean, the fifth fastest guy in this field. 59
1: time. minutes, you mean. Right.
2: No, there's only... Th- oh, I'm looking at season's best. Never mind. Take it back. There's only three guys who have run an hour this year. So... But, yeah, in the I guess in the field overall, I actually only see one, two, three, four, five, six guys have broken...
1: No, you got go to scroll down after. because there are some people who don't have a season's best, Robert. So there's Abraham Cheruban of Bahrain... There's Bahanu Legese, the two-time Tokyo Marathon champion. There's a bunch of guys down there as well who've also run sub-60. But I, I kind of view this as like, guy I think has to be the favorite, but I also think Candy could be like the next great Kenyan runner. I mean, okay, he beat Ch- Jeffrey Kamoror at the Kenyan XC champs. There was a little bit. We don't really know what happened there. Cheptegai maybe made a wrong turn or he fell down or something at the very end. Kind of unclear, but... You know, running 58, he just ran 58 38 in Prague, destroyed everyone in that race. He now has the Adidas super shoes to, you know, put him on 11 playing field with the Alpha Fly Vaporflies. I'm very excited to see what this guy does. This is really his big, first big international event of his career. He's 24 years old. I'm just very excited. Could this be coming out party? He stomps, you know, Chapter Guy, and we're like, this guy is the next great, you know, Kenyan roadrunner.
0: Well, yeah, back in February when Candy won the Kenyan XC trials, we kind of thought it might have been because Cam Moore ran the wrong way in the course at the end or got tripped by some kid, teenager or something weird. It's a weird story. But then six, seven days later, Candy runs 58-58, and I thought, well, maybe Cam Moore was just really tired, you know, because <laughs> Candy was talking big after he won that race like he really won it. Maybe he actually did win it and just beat Cam Moore. So should be exciting to see his sort of international debut in this one for sure. Hopefully we can watch that. John, it's my understanding that we don't know if this race is going to be on TV in the U.S. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I mean, these events, uh, I assume it will be streamed somehow. Like if if someone doesn't have the rights for it, World Athletics usually has a global stream. But the weird thing is like it's not listed under the events World Athletics has the... And what, what time or, is Sorry, NBC Sports Gold has the rights for it. It's not on the NBC Sports Gold schedule, but they usually don't. Put these events up until the day or two before, anyway. So I assume it will be available for someone. It's five a.m. start Eastern Time for the women's race, and then six thirty for the men. So compared to London Marathon, it's uh, not that bad. I've gotten up at five a.m. to catch flights before, so I'm okay with getting up to do that. I do have a question for you guys about Chapter Guy, like because I'm interested. Like, who do you think? Who is your 2020 track and field MVP on the men's side. Does he already have this locked up or does he need to win the half marathon on Saturday to clinch this honor? Because to what? me, it's
0: a- are we debating this
1: Robert? I think you need to pay attention to the field events here. Let's give some credit. Mondo Duplantis just had, uh, It could be the greatest. I would say the greatest year ever by a men's pole Walter. He broke the world record twice indoors. He won all 16 competitions. He cleared six meters, 10 times or 10 different meets. And he set the outdoor world record as well, 6.15. I think it's a two-horse race between those guys, but you've also got Ryan Krauser. He was 10-0. Well, he, twenty-two ninety-one, tied for third all-time. 36 throws of 22 meters or more. Rest of the world had zero. Carson warholm four of the fastest times ever, including number two. You know, ran 47-10 or faster, four times in the span of 35 days. Wait, wait, wait. Is this a lock for a chapter guy, or does any of these other guys have a case?
0: Oh, well, Mondo. Is this a real thing, by the way? Is there such a thing as a track and field MVP? We need to have one, but well, if there isn't, the
1: World Athletics has an athlete of the year award that they hand out every year
0: to one person only. It's not a track and a field. It's no, it's two. one person. Oh, the, who's gotten the past? This is like the Heisman Trophy of tri- This is amazing. Have we been into this every year?
2: This Robert, is Robert. Aren't fun. you a voter? I think we're voters. I'm a voter. what? I'm pretty sure.
0: Oh, I think I did vote last year. I forgot who didn't I vote for.
2: I don't know. USATF sends me stuff to vote for the Jesse Owens Award and half the time I forget to vote. So my apologies with COVID. I'm going to be on top of this stuff. Keep me voting. Uh, World Athletics, if you want to fly me out to count the votes or something to Monaco, I will do it. I have no COVID fears at all. I will come. Preferably if you want to bring my wife and f- kid with me too We in the winter. It, it's, it's tough here. But I live on the coast now in Connecticut. I'm very used to water and being on the coast, so I will adapt very easily to Monaco. Thank you.
1: Yeah, I'm sure they want to fly Americans in. To have them handle this stuff. You didn't. You dodged my question, though, Robert. Who Who is World Athlete of the Year? Does Cheptegei need to win on Saturday to cement it?
0: I don't know how you decide between the two. They've both been perfect for the year. They're undefeated. They've both broken two long-standing world records. I mean, it's like personal preference, I guess. If he wins this, then you give it to him because he's got three. But it's not fair. Then if he loses, yes, if he loses, I guess I would give it to the undefeated guy, Tamanda.
1: Yeah, it's really tough. If he man. wins and
0: I give it to him because he has three, but that's not really fair because he can do more events.
1: I feel like I, oh, I think I'd give it to guy, but maybe that's just my distance bias showing. Even if he, you know, if Cheptegei well, gets embarrassed gonna in the long off I think you probably have to go with Mondo.
0: But prob- there, there's certainly a bit of of white privilege for the black man Cheptegei in the five thousand, ten thousand. It's certainly more an accessible event than the pole vault, so
1: trying to look at I don't know if a pole vaulter... here's the other thing I'm looking through the previous winners I, awards I backwards
0: to, I'm saying that mondo is with the benefit of white privilege in the in the pole. yeah not as many people
1: so the award was established in 20 in 1988 it's only been given to a pole vault a male pole vaulter once that was Renaud levin when he set the world record in 2014. but so mondo just you know smashed those world records but He's facing a lot more competition, I think. No one broke the men's 5K and 10K world records in 2014. That'll be an interesting one.
2: Okay, a few more stories I want to get to before we get out of here. Wait, you guys are missing the big thing, though. You guys are focusing on the track. I want to know who the runner of the year is. You guys might think that Chepty guy has it, but I think really you guys are missing it. It's either Peter Walsh, the Coogans, former Cougars bar owner. He's been all over Facebook. Who's who's going to be the most popular runner of the year? Peter Walsh or the Mountain Lion guy? Have you guys seen the Mountain Lion runner?
1: Yes, I saw it. First take, this is unbelievable. I would have, like, shit my pants. It's so scary. I couldn't believe it. Second take, how is he recording this on his phone? It's, like, perfectly captured. He's not, like, the phone's not shaking all the t- everywhere. I mean... How does this happen? How does he record this encounter and come out alive?
0: If you're not familiar with what we're talking about, uh, I put it up as a quote of the day today. A hiker, runner in Utah was chased by a mountain lion for six minutes. John, how did he film it? This is your generation's problem. The guys, the mountain lion literally follows him for six minutes as he walks backwards, and the guy decides to film the whole thing so he can put it up on Instagram later. Like, you know, he seemed a little bit scared, but this shows you the genius of the John Kelly and Robert Johnson coaching manner. I showed this video to John Kelly. The entire time we're watching it, John's like, why doesn't he just throw a rock at the mountain lion? I said, John, it might enrage the mountain lion. He's like, no, just pick up the rock and throw it at him. And then apparently when this guy's interviewed on Good Morning America, because it's not clear what happened on this video, the mountain lion did just bolt away. And he explained to Good Morning America that he actually threw a rock at the mountain lion like John Kelly. So if you want to be coached by John and me, go to letsrun.com slash... Coaching, I believe, let's run.com slash coaching. Going to read to you an email we just received this week. I was in the summer program and wanted to say thank you. I've had a great season. We're about 10 days from leagues. My times have been much better than last year. Um, I just ran on a course where I ran 1614. Last year, my personal best was 1646. The sprinting speed work from the summer helped me and, and the talks helped me too. I've been running 65 miles a week all season. Now the trick is to pull back a taper. And peak without losing them.
2: My- this guy's Robert, gonna you need to give yourself some credit. Your, your credentials. I was listening to some podcasts and I was like, Who are these guys? Robert Johnson was the cross country coach at Cornell University for 10 years. The coaching guru, John Kellogg, helped him there and helped take me from a hack in college from a 30 minute 10k runner to a twenty eight oh six ten 10 10k runner. I got fourth in the country twice. I should have never been getting fourth in the country twice. I helped pace Paula Radcliffe to her world record. Robert Johnson, who didn't even run in college, paced Catherine into to her world record. These are the training principles you'll have. So if you're interested in that, go there. I didn't. I wasn't really ready
0: for this email actually. I'm reading it a little bit more closely.
1: No, we for- don't need any
2: more uh, about the email about you.
1: Okay. But, and just for the record, wait. You won't. You won't throw rocks at your the athletes you coach, right, Robert? Can we get that on the record?
0: That's correct. It's only positive encouragement. But no, this mountain lion, when I when I saw this story, the first thing I thought was, okay, this is six minutes and this is a long time. But that bear story that we talked about before did not happen. And I need to follow up on that. That woman made that story up. The bear did not chase her for five or six miles. Now, some people might say, well, this mountain lion, you wouldn't expect her to chase her for six minutes. But to chase someone for five miles is going to be like
2: 50 minutes. Wait, do we officially know that the bear story didn't happen, Robert? You're just still speculating. I'm still... Okay. Speaking of the mountain lion guy, can some somebody get me this guy's name? Find me this guy's name. But on the thread and let's run. Criticism is now coming in. And have you guys heard of Yashar Ali?
1: Oh, uh, is he he's New York Times guy on Twitter? He's someone on he's some Twitter personality, right?
2: Okay, good, John. Thank you. As much time as you spend on Twitter, because I was like, I pro- I think I've heard of the name, but like this guy's got six hundred eighty eight thousand followers on Twitter. Claims he works for New York Magazine and Huffington Post contributor. Like, I could be a Huffington Post contributor, right? Can't anyone be that? I feel like you should plug the New York Magazine thing. He's got pictures of um, elephants on his Twitter masthead, so this that makes him official. He's coming in with some criticism of our mountain lion guy here. Essentially saying that this guy spooked the the mountain lion who's with her cubs, and he handled it completely wrong. Should not have been filming but Robert, his point was also he should... you got to be careful. You do not want to reach down to pick up a, a, a rock. That makes you small, and the mountain lion could pounce at that moment. You want to re- grab something high, and he's saying this guy should have known that there were tree branches near him and then thrown a tree branch at, at, at the mountain lion. Just shows you can't make everyone happy.
1: I mean, his, his strategy of throwing a rock did work, right? I mean, he got out alive, I feel like. Well, I agree.
2: I mean... But if he'd been... What's the point of filming it? Well, I guess if you survive, you're instantly famous. But if you get maimed, there's, like, proof that you got...
1: No, my my logic... So here's, I think, the logic for filming it is... This had been happening for several minutes. The cougar had been bluffing charges, and he'd just been backing away. And he probably figured, okay, this is going to happen. Either it's going to continue happening, I will get out of it, and I'll have this great video of, you know, what happened... Or I'm going to die and, you know, it's not like by the time that he started filming, I assume he kind of realized, it, you know, the cougar had been chasing him for a while, but not coming right at to him. So he kind of had time to start filming. That's my guess of how that played out.
0: It's kind of weird he's running on a trail with a phone in the first place, isn't it?
1: Apparently Almost. running with phones these days. Actually, I want to hear from Let's Run listeners. You know, if you listening to the podcast, do you run with your phone yes or no because i've i never run with my phone i just it's too big like i have an iphone 10 and i just could not imagine carrying that at any part of my body i run with uh, a ipod nano frequently to listen to music but i don't run with my phone
0: what about podcasts john
1: you can get podcasts on an ipod nano robert
0: you need to get an apple watch or john you wear a fanny pack like i do
1: robert i'm 29 years old i'm not gonna wear a fanny pack
2: yeah, don't admit to that, Robert, please.
1: No, he's old. It's—I mean, I once ca- you're a dad, I feel like I was kinda, know, it's kind of lame, kid. but you can get—you know—dad use that as an excuse.
0: You need to—you need to run with a phone because you can use it as a weapon to kill that mountain lion if it attacks you. Maybe they should put a blade on the end on the iPhone 13. Anyways, there's a few other stories that I would like to speak about. One that's a little bit sad, close to my heart. Charlie Moore, the great 400 hurdle legend. Cornell legend has died. He was the 19. John, help me out here. I think it was 52 Olympic gold medalist in the 400 hurdles. And I meant to start a thread on this. Is he the greatest 400 meter hurdler ever? And the reason why I say that is obviously he wasn't the fastest. People have run faster since then. Is this guy never lost a 400 hurdles race in his life? Who else can say that? I think he can. You can. He can correctly say he's the only person on the planet Earth who never have lost a 400 hurdles race in
1: his life. Yeah, but he retired after the 1952 Olympics. That was the gold medal event for him, Robert. He was he had just turned 23 years old. I mean, Edward, Edwin Moses was unbeaten for like 10 years. And I know that back then when you were an Olympian, because you know it wasn't a fully professional sport, a lot of people it was one and done. But I don't know. I guess there is an argument. Some people say Herb Elliott was the greatest 1500 runner of all time because he never lost one. Uh, and he retired very young as well. I mean, I don't think this uh, Charles Moore, you know, great runner, obviously, but I think you would have to say Moses is the goat right now. Warholm making inroads, maybe if he can get the world record, but I don't know. he retired at 20. He missed like a huge chunk of what could have been his prime, but you know, just that was how it worked back then.
0: So it's the opposite of white privilege. Back then, he he could not be a professional athlete, and he had to. He was exploited by the IOC, used up for for, 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 for had to compete for free. And the fact that he had to go make a living for his family is now
1: being it's not used white against privilege, Robert. But it's not the opposite. opposite of, it's not the opposite of white privilege. Why do you bring race into this? Because he was he was white, and if he was black, I'm sure it would have been a lot worse. He probably wouldn't have been able to get any job coming out back. because being a black guy in America in the '50s was not a great. Great place to be.
0: I'm bringing race into this because everything is is now bringing race into it, which actually leads to our next story. I'm very excited to report that the University of Men's Track and Field team has been saved. University kind
1: of. of Minnesota. Can we enunciate this word in the intro? You just said University of Men. I don't think our listeners are hearing it's the University of Minnesota. It is a Midwestern state in what the United I say? States. Okay. I couldn't hear that. I'm, hope- I'm just trying to. The Minnesota look out track for our team. Here. They were going to cancel Minnesota
0: track with a few other sports, and they correctly they have saved the track team, at least the outdoor track team. For some reason, the indoor track team is canceled, which makes no sense because it's really cold in Minnesota. And if you're going to be paying the coaches anyways and have the athletes there, it doesn't cost that much to go to a few indoor meets. Like you're talking like fifty, hundred thousand dollars. But I think the fact that we have outdoor, eventually they'll save indoor as well. Um, and I, I'm really into this, and and I I've been talking to a lot of people about moving forward. How do we? Continue? This is a big precedent to me. I don't think you want to power another Power Five team stopping track. And I think with this case here, and with the Brown University case, we're starting to get momentum about saving track and fields, and about how it's wrong from a racial angle to cut track and field because it is one of the most diverse sports. It's one of the few sports, the non revenue producing sports that African-Americans participate in in a high degree. And Russell Deakins for Prince, the Princeton alum who helped with the Brown case, he got an op-ed in the local Minnesota paper, which, which pointed this out. Um, He's now done a Q and a on on outside magazine about this. I'll try to look up some of the stats. I've talked to to Dennis Mitchell, the Akron coach about this, about he said that like 50% of the division one coaches, um, Black coaches are in track and field. Now that may be double counting them when you're an indoor track coach, you count as an outdoor track coach. But the reality is, you know, there's thousands of black track and field athletes. Whereas I think the men's tennis team, you know, someone, someone arguing up against Russell Dinkins in the comments section was like, well, the men's tennis team has, you know, that, that's an all white sport and it was canceled too. But Russell pointed out in all of division one track men's tennis, there's only 98 black athletes. So track is certainly one that there's not a huge barrier of entry from a financial incentive. Um, You can have an impact. The schools are supposed to be educational. You can have a lot of athletes do it at the college level for not that much money per athlete. So you can have more people have a good experience. We should keep track. It's cheap. It's diverse.
1: And just look at the United States. Some of the athletes, sorry, look at Minnesota. Some of the athletes that produced Hassan Mead, immigrant Olympian. Hassan, um, and, you know, Ben Blankenship, not an immigrant, but an Olympian. And Harun Abda, professional runner, immigrant, and runs for the OTC. I mean, they've had some really great athletes. And I think Haroon and Hassan have both said, you know, they're grateful for the opportunity they got there. And it's really, it would be a shame to have that not be available to future athletes like that.
2: Yeah, this gets to the bigger picture of like what role does athletics play in a university in a college and it's kind of crazy some of these bigger ones are the ones wanting to cut that don't sponsor that many sports to begin with but i think the saving grace for track and field one of the things is is its diversity it isn't that expensive but if you're going to have if you just want to have revenue sports fine we'll just have men's football men's basketball i don't even know if you'd have women's basketball how much money does that bring in maybe baseball is not even necessary i mean like it would be very limited right and then just cast everything aside. It's just all about... But, th- but that's not what these universities have been historically about. Like, you have sports teams. Sports team seem as integral to what's going on. And if that's the case, then it's like, which non-revenue sports do you have? And the diversity of track and field is one of its strengths. So it's great. I think it's going to be hard for schools to start cutting track now because this is something we can push back with. It's like, wait, why are you keeping the tennis team? And, uh, you know, don't think everything in America should be made about race, but diversity is a good thing. So let's focus on this. And I think it's going to help save our sport in a lot of places, but keeping, and they're going to bring back the indoor track. You know, it makes no sense not to have an indoor. So if that's just some bullshit quota thing, because in case you guys don't know, some schools try to meet title nine, which is supposed to, you know, you're supposed to have equal opportunities for men and women by hitting a quota. And technically some schools say hey indoor track outdoor track separate sports and they count the numbers twice so if you have a men's team with indoor and outdoor it makes you look worse from title nine but come on that's that's not opportunity that's number counting
1: yeah i think this what this shows is the people making this decision okay maybe weldon as you said it's just a, a numbers thing but i think it also just says shows they don't they fundamentally don't understand what's going on here because Anyone in the sport of track and field knows it really makes zero sense to have an outdoor team and no indoor team. And yet that was sort of the compromise solution that was reached. And okay. Yeah. I think it's actually a minor victory for the people at Minnesota because the other alternative was losing both, but it just anyone in the sport knows that it's kind of silly not to have an indoor team. If you're going to have an outdoor team as well. Yeah.
2: These schools, I don't know who's on the board of these things, but the, cost of schools the driving force of increase in cost i think has been like a lot of these administrative positions there's all these assistant deans deans you've never heard of deans of stuff you've never that is not important that's not necessary that didn't exist 20 years ago assistant athletic directors blah 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 i mean hell cut a couple assistant athletic directors and i bet you they make more than the track coach and nobody knows what these people do i mean cut some of the bloat we could save money that way just But the things that get cut are non-revenue sports. I mean, come on.
0: I actually have the numbers in the Russell Dinkins piece that's an Outside Magazine. There's 2,861 black athletes in track and field. I don't know if that's double counted. That could be double counted from indoor and outdoor. I'm not sure. But there's only the next highest sport, um, you know, after football and basketball is track. The next highest sport um, is soccer, which only has 565. So... Interesting stuff. While we're talking NCAs, we have a big, big, big meet. We basically have the national championships of the fall this weekend at Oklahoma State, the Cowboy Jamboree. They're having a meet, and the big powerhouses are showing up, folks. It's going to be amazing because, right? NAU technically is not having a cross country season, but they're allowed to run a couple meets. They're not, there's no conference meet for NAU, but they're going to the Cowboy Jamboree. BYU is going to be there. Oklahoma State's going to be there. You basically have. Anybody who's a power in cross-country is there, except for maybe Colorado. Is that right, John?
1: No, actually, according to Dave Smith, Colorado is going to be there, but because there's no Pac-12 season, I don't think they can run attached. I think it's just going to be Colorado's team running unattached. I haven't gotten all the details for this yet. It's actually the OSU Invitational, Robert, not the Cowboy Jamboree. This is also the meet that normally, in a normal year, I think it would be called pre-Nats, but since Nats aren't until – March, it's not got that name this year. Anyway, whatever it is, it's going to be the highlight of the fall from a cross-country perspective. I'm excited to see the BYU-NAU rematch. Uh, they've gone 1-2 at NCAAs the last two years. NAU added Nico Young, which is, who is one of the best high school distance runners you know, of the last 10 years. I can't wait. I hope he's running because one of my things going into this season was, can an American win... NCAA cross for the first time since Galen Rupp in 2008 and how high can Nico Young finish because I think this guy you know he ran 756 in high school indoors broke Drew Hunter's national record I thought he could be top five I thought maybe if he really takes off he could be contending for the win I was very curious to see how he could do as a true freshman so I hope he's running in this but BYU remember they've got Connor Mance who was third last year at NCAAs, and they're bringing back Casey Klinger, who was 17th as a true freshman. He's back from his mission. Apparently, he's pretty fit. Hopefully, he's racing as well. So I can't wait to see who, who shows up, and you know, hopefully Iowa State's there, and they've got... What about women? Team are we well. going to get Arkansas BYU? I don't know who's on the women's side. Uh, I assume if the BYU men are coming, the BYU women will come as well, but I haven't heard about the women's field yet, so I can't really preview that one.
0: Well, I assume, John, I don't like you hyping up Nico Young. I don't think it's good for the sport, but...
1: <laughs> this says the guy who proclaimed, like, from the days he was a high schooler that Dathan Ritzenheim would be the first American, the first white guy under 27 minutes. Who, who hyped up Ben Sorrell as soon as he won the Dream Mile. Have you just learned from your... Has the Ben Sorrell experience chastened you, Robert, and you don't want to see me make the same mistake?
0: no comment. No comment. But of course he'll be there because it doesn't hurt – you don't lose eligibility by competing in this fake season anyway. So I don't know why you wouldn't run it.
1: We're assuming he's healthy. Caitlin Tuohy has been totally MIA for NC State this year. No one's seen her compete.
0: Yeah, they're going to be there. I, I, we, we need, we'll, we'll have a full preview up on the website shortly.
2: Yeah, but I was shocked that – I think it's great NAU and BYU can go because they're not doing seasons. And then I'm like, wait, are they fit? Because they're not doing a season, are they fit? But these guys want to see the course – with NCA, is going to be there in March. It makes sense to go out there because there's probably not going to be a preseason meet out there in February. It could be too, too bad of weather. So I think this is their chance to see the course. So even if you're not in that great of shape, you might go out there and just take one on the chin just so you can see the course.
1: I feel like if I was these coaches, though, I'd be like, look, this is our full, like, this is our full championship. I guess some of these schools have conference meets. But for BYU or NAU... I don't know how long you know, it took them to get confirmed for this meet. NAU only announced they were going a few weeks ago, but I would kind of be like, hey, this is the closest we're going to have to face real, real top class competition this fall. Let's take it all, let's go all out, let's go super seriously, and hopefully they all run their best squads and we get some great matchups here.
0: Well, I think we should wrap this one up, guys. A few things I wanted to talk about, but I can bring them up for next week when there's not as much action going on.
2: Oh, no, guys. Oh, no. We have not had COVID talk. We've not had deleted thread of the week. I'm shocked. You guys must have been asleep last night. We have our deleted thread of the week right now coming in because it lets us get in a little COVID talk.
1: Well, then I was asleep last night for the record. I did go to bed and then I woke up this morning. So I don't know if I was being accused of that or if I'm not supposed to sleep, but I did sleep last night. I can't confirm.
2: Did you guys see this thread last night? Galen Rupp speaks out against COVID lockdowns.
1: No. Galen Rupp speaking out about anything is strange. What? Yes.
2: Galen Rupp has a new coach. Mike Smith is now coaching him, the NAU coach. And he's slowly been doing more interviews, which is a great thing. We'd love to talk to Galen. I mean, I, like Galen Alberto just became like black sheep to us, or we were black sheep to them. And at some point, we just essentially quit trying to talk to him. Um, I mean, Galen used to it's it's tough because the guy's been under so much scrutiny on let's run i think somewhat unfairly people used to be very mean to him we could have done a probably better job with that but since he's 17 years old or 16 years old but anyway but there was a youtube video done with the heartbreak hill running company now many people might think that's in boston but actually i think they're in chicago and they have they have a store in boston as well they have stores in both Maybe they're going nationwide. And so somebody links to this. And the virtual Chicago Marathon, I think, was last weekend or is going on now. I'm not sure. This was part of that. So Galen's a Nike athlete. Nike sponsors Chicago. Galen's run Chicago. Yeah, I guess he's helping promote that. It's good to see an interview.
1: Somebody this links this deleted to, well, then?
2: Okay, John, Galen, quote, We are at root a social species. In a relentless pursuit of safety, we've forgotten what makes us human. We've done so at our own peril.
1: Wait, do we have any proof that quote was from him? That doesn't sound like something he would say in an interview. Wow, John. Did we actually watch the interview to confirm? That sounds like it's made up. (laughs) The
2: interview is about 40 minutes long, and people are then contributing. They're like, wow, Galen's super religious. This means he's a Trump supporter. He's against COVID. I mean, people just went immediately down... Sidetracks, and then somebody point. Now I
1: see why it might have been deleted.
2: (laughs) Then somebody pointed out, you guys have not watched the. Someone actually watched the whole forty minute interview, and he never says that. And I quickly transcribed it as quickly as I could. There's services that do that. He never says what people what the first guy said. He said, "So this is the deleted thread of the week for sure. I mean, just great trolling all around. But I thought it was fascinating because then people started speculating whether Galen Rupp supported Trump because he said something against COVID. I mean, it was just.
1: Well done, sir. Well Well done. done. I want to know, when you opened this thread and you saw, in quotation marks, the phrase, we are at root a social species in our relentless pursuit of safety. We have forgotten what makes us human, and we have done so at our own peril. Did you actually think he had said that?
2: You skim stuff on the internet.
1: (laughs) Oh my god. I can't, like... That's just a... We are at root a social species within six words. I knew there's no way Galen Rupp said that. <laughs> well, real quickly, in the second post, and the quote
2: is at the very bottom of the first post, and then the second post is right there, so they're, like, literally less than three inches apart. I see he's also super religious, so I can assume he's a Trumper, which explains his answer. So then I real quickly got distracted. <laughs> and we're like, oh, my gosh, does he talk about the election? Because Galen usually doesn't talk about that much stuff. So... I think it's great, one thing, that Galen's actually doing more interviews with Mike Smith. He's showing up personal side. Looks like you can kind of see Galen's house, kind of, you know, maybe a library in the background. He's got some five o'clock shadow.
1: He's maybe grown a beard. Galen Rupp with a beard. That would be kind of interesting.
2: So
0: we actually do have a thread, John, about his video interview. It's called Galen Rupp Speaks. That one is still up because it did not go into a false political angle.
1: Well, then can that count as our COVID point of the week as well? We don't have to talk about any of these stats you're going to throw at me or any whatever you're going to talk about, SEC no, football I've, or any I've, other shit.
2: I have no no stats.
1: Uh, you know.
2: oh, I was ahead of my game last week, though. The great Barrington Declaration. Google supposedly was censoring it in certain countries people were claiming. Google actually supposedly isn't very good at indexing new content, but it made its rounds. It's made its rounds. It's getting out there. I have no COVID stats this week, except the U.S. isn't sending a team to the World Half Marathon. So, it's unfortunate. I think we should have sent a team. People could make their own decisions. Like, uh, the world-governing body of track and field is putting on this meet. I think we should assume that they're going to try to do it safely and follow the proper protocols. If athletes want to make the decision to compete once they've earned the right to represent the United States, we could do that. We had athletes running in track meets. It's unfortunate the U.S. didn't send a team. But it's easier to be cautious uh, under this. It's the safe route. And when there's no money involved, people definitely take that. When money gets involved, oh, all of a sudden, Big Ten's playing football, Pac-12's playing football, everybody's playing football because, oh, wait, we're going to lose hundreds of millions of dollars. But when five athletes in the United States want to go represent their country and there's no money involved, someone says they can't do that. Well, I got to run the World Half Marathon Championships. You know, it's one of actually, I didn't think about it. I did terrible, but it's, you know, one of the, greatest moments in my athletic career and I don't know who would have been on the team this year but if that's your one opportunity to represent the United States that's taken one away from you that's a shame
1: yeah I agree I mean they're not the only country not sending a team Australia New Zealand Japan but yeah you would think after all these Americans competing in the Diamond League they might want to do it but it's easier just to say no it's not safe that sort of thing
2: all right guys world half marathon champs on Saturday Who knows? We may have bonus supporters club only content after that extra podcast. Who knows what we will have, but thanks for joining us.